Craft Beer Radio, episode 144 on September 2nd, 2009. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, where sure we're not actually on the radio, but stop being so pedantic. I'm Greg Weiss. And I'm Jeff Bear. And Virginia is our topic for today. Yep. If you may remember, I went to Virginia Beach a long, long time ago, back in June, and I went to the Grape and Gourmet, this great little wine and beer store on Virginia Beach Boulevard. And the owner listens to the show. Hello. So we picked up a bunch of Virginia beers. We're sorry it took so long. For the show. And uh, we got a bunch of reserves from Williamsburg. We're not sure how many of those we're going to do. But we're going to do some other Virginia breweries, too. Let's start with one of those. Let's do... Yeah, these are all big beers. I just want to make sure we weren't drinking too big of a beer first. But I think all the Williamsburgs will stand up to it. They're all, you know, seven, eight above. Let's do the Evil Eight from Blue Mountain. Okay, so this is Blue Mountain Brewery. Blue Mountain Brewery is uh, in Virginia, like we say. This uh, evil eight, evil eight degrees. Actually, it's got a little degree signs. Belgian style double ale, uh, fifty IBUs, seven point seven percent ABV. Uh, so that's more than a standard drink, and <laughs> it's got two standard drinks, right? Yeah. And uh, nineteen point three degrees Play-Doh. If you're really interested in that stuff, I, I still have Jeff knows. I have no idea what that means. Nothing really here uh, that's not marketing speak aside. Besides, they use caramelized biscuit malt, Golding's hops, and a unique strain of brewer's yeast. But it's a truly, truly spiritual ale that blurs the lines of what you think you know about American beer. Right, that's that's the part I left out. <laughs> All right, Blue Mountain Brewery from Afton, <laughs> Virginia. Dark. Well, their their um, slogan here is the beauty of Virginia, the bounty of nature, the art of brewing. I kind of like that. It works. Beer pours the big head, big rocky head on there. It's a slightly tan, nice dark brown beer, a little bit of a brownish orange highlight at the bottom. Almost getting sort of a, a root beer-esque uh, aroma from this. Uh, here's something about the brewery. Uh, they say they sit in the shadow of Appalachia's Blue Ridge Mountains in Afton. They are a farm brewery. They grow their own hops. All their own hops? Apparently. Hmm. In Virginia? You grow your hops here in Pennsylvania. Yes, but Pennsylvania is more accustomed to where hops are supposed to grow. Virginia is a little far south. Well, then you're a mountain, so I mean... Uh, I guess their elevation's high enough. Jamie Barlow, let me know. He's from, he's from <laughs> the area, so I'm sure he knows all about Blue Mountain. You know, yeah, I mean, huge I'm getting, head, I'm having a hard time. So I'm smelling a little bit of smokiness, but with this huge head, it's kind of... Capturing now, I had a root beer today, so that may be influencing some of my... Uh, you know, our, our food re- recommendations and yeah. our flavors are always similar to what we have eaten recently. I think I'm just going to take a sip because this rocky head's keeping my nose from smelling anything. It's a Belgian double. It's a sweet one. Sweet. Um, I'm tasting... Some of that root beer in there. I, I, I know there's not. Um, right. I'm what tasting. Is it, uh, what is that root they put in there? Um, what is root beer? I'm not sure. It's not sassafras, is it? No. It's sassafras. Yeah. Is it? Is that root beer mm-hmm. too? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's. It, I'm tasting something reminiscent of sassafras, but uh, it, it's it's got. Um, I got a really strong flavor that reminded me of like. Uh, like a chocolate covered cherry, like the the simple the syrup that's in a chocolate covered cherry. I'm not getting much cherry from here. I'm getting more uh, sassafras, wintergreen, that sort of thing. Uh, uh, high carbonation, high level of carbonation. Um, so it's the flavors don't last very long. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's pretty prickly. The finish is I don't want to say necessarily dry. It's it, it, it's a wet sort of finish, but doesn't leave much taste in, in there. But so it's. It's pleasing. It's a big, full mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. Um, chewy. Oh, that's what that sounded. Allison's playing with the maracas out there. I'm like, what is that? In the headphones, it sounded like like someone's doing this, like rubbing there. No, well, it's not. It's not, yes. Um, it's reminding me of, of some, um, some Belgian doubles, like... Uh, yeah, imagine that in Belgian. No, I was looking at some more information here. Um, the, the head brewer uh, of Blue Mountain Brewery 
is Taylor Schmack. Taylor Schmack was the former head brewer for Goose Island Brewing in Chicago. Okay. We know we love Goose Island beers. So, I mean, right. So this has this very full, a little bit earthy. And this goes with the roots and stuff you're tasting and the spices. Um, Belgian Double. I'm trying to think which one of the big abbeys it reminds me of. Uh, maybe West Mall. Is it like West Mall? It's not Bornem. It's I think not. It's a little bit drier than Westmall. Athlegem is not. Um, I mean, not drier. It's a little bit earthier than Westmall. You know, it's not uh, West Flatter, and it's not. Uh, I guess Westmall. I'm not. It's not. It's not Roquefort. It's kind of. I'm, the more I drink it, I'm getting some alcohol warming on it. It's a little bit boozy, and I'm starting to think. You know, this is kind of a blurry line between a quadruple and a double. It has some of those darker fuller flavors that you get out of quads as well you know it does and and they're starting to build up the the, the maltiness is starting to build up to me and and then the mm-hmm. the rooty flavors that i was tasting are starting to be a little bit suppressed but they're still there right um so i would say it's kind of a a, a woody sort of of, of double uh, in in a way a, a kind of american take on it i think mm-hmm. the root beer is generally an american drink and right uh while I don't think that adding wood to things is necessarily an American invention, I think it was perfected by Americans. The um, first couple of sips, you know, first thing I said was sweet, and beer isn't really cloying sweet. It's it struck a nice balance. I just wanted to let people know that this isn't beer isn't too sweet. It works as it is. So uh, doubles are um, one of our favorite beers to pair with food because they just go so well with foods, especially red meat. Any mm-hmm. kind of caramelized red meat, Any, anything uh, fatty, uh, mm-hmm. you know, this would go well with. The carbonation helps a lot. Um, the, the you know the, the fat helps with the flavor and helps transfer some of the flavors mm-hmm. between them. The Barbecue. melting, but even something along the lines of um, see, I don't think this would go. This wouldn't go well with something light. This wouldn't go well with fish necessarily, um, unless it was highly spiced. This wouldn't go well with popcorn you know uh but it would go well with something substantial um nice heavy pasta of some sort uh something cheesy you know a ravioli with cheese or something like that burger you know something with not your average burger with american cheese but you know some good burger with you know maybe some pine nuts on there and some goat cheese or something or like i was watching the um of course, it always has to do with what we've seen recently. And I was watching the Good Eats on Barbecue last night, uh-huh. and they actually it wasn't the Good Eats I saw. I was watching uh, Drive-ins, Diners, and Dives, and they went to this place and they showed some Texas, Texas brisket being cut up. And I'm like, I want that with that, this. Right that now. would go really well. Yeah, anything uh, with really, I think anything with a lot of umami, mm-hmm. uh, anything with a lot of that savory yeah. flavor profile would go well with this. So you said you had some beer news. Yes, um, let's bring back. Let's revive the old, the old segment. So there was some recent uh, uh, beer news that um, maybe maybe wasn't the best news for people who are really into beer as as a health drink. <laughs> it uh, significantly raises your uh, risk of uh, esophageal cancer. E- yeah, um, not only that, but. I'm trying to find the actual article. Beer, because people have been saying, well, beer, you know, alcohol seems to be healthy um, to a certain extent. It, it helps your heart. Uh, it, it is not necessarily good for for your for cancer, mm-hmm. but it's good for your heart. So right. it's kind of it's, it's pick a, and choose. Yeah, pick and choose. But what they found, the study found that. The alcohol benefits were coming almost completely from wine and not from beer or spirits. So people who drank beer or spirits as opposed to wine were not getting the heart benefits that the people who drank wine were. Oh, no. Yeah. No. So, sorry, guys. The the study... Now, there could be a difference between craft beer and and macro beer, right? Because craft beer is going to have more vitamins in it and more stuff where... Macro beer. This is true. I, I do not have an example of the. I, I don't have the testing parameters for this. So, I mean, it could be an example of them saying, okay, Budweiser versus 
uh, you know, a, a Cabernet Sauvignon versus Jack Daniels. Right. You you probably are going to think that the Cabernet Sauvignon. No, is I'm not saying I don't ever mean to say that craft beer equals a multivitamin, but there's more stuff. I think there's more stuff going for you in drinking craft than there is in drinking. But. I mean, I just the way I look at it is beer is not a health food, and you should mm-hmm. not look at it that way. If you're drinking beer for your health, then you're doing the wrong thing. I know that there are people who say that there are benefits. And to an extent, it's liquid bread. There are benefits to getting certain – you can get certain nutrients that you can get in other ways. And you are going to be healthier if you – you are generally going to be a healthier person if you do not drink beer. But what is life worth if that's what you're doing? Do you really want to be live, to, live to be 120? If you have to starve yourself. Hi, Allison. Hi, Allison. How you doing? Going to bed? Bye. Bye. See you, kiddo. Bye. What's the point of living to be 120 if you have to survive on a calorie-restricted diet and not drink alcohol ever? I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't see much of a point to it. I mean, it's too enjoyable to not partake. And... Everything in moderation, and you're going to die anyway. Most people, anyway. <laughs> no, you're going to die. Most people. <laughs> I was watching a thing where... I was watching a sci-fi future thing. They're like, there are people alive today that will be immortal. They'll oh, have the, the singularity, mo- that sort of thing? Well, they'll have the money to... you know, There'll be enough technology for the richest of the rich to... to to live forever. That's the combination of the Ray Kurzweil singularity, and I think, remember that movie with... Um, uh, Mick Jagger in it, no, um, no. and uh, oh, what was that called? Free Jack. Where, oh, I remember that. I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't think I ever saw the movie. And I don't remember the plot of the movie, but I remember Mick Jagger and Free Jack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in Free Jack, the idea was that they stole people. They stole people from the past who were just about to die. And uh, transported them to the future, and then downloaded people who are dying's brains into them. Before we get on to this strong ale, let's jump to one of these Williamsburg ones. All right. Say. So they have a porter here, the Rapidow Porter, Rapidou Porter, Rapidou, and that doesn't sound horribly strong. So let's go for that. Nine percent. Okay, so I think that, that is stronger than the... Yep, okay, so that's stronger than the R.J. Rocker. So let's go back to the R.J. Rocker. This one is R.J. Rocker's Bell Ringer. R.J. Rocker, Bell Ringer is... 8.5% loaded with malt and hops, they say. Everything else is marketing speak. You know, unless it... it Delightfully loaded with malt and hops. Uh, does that change your opinion? Ooh, it's so delightful. Very clear. Very clear. Uh, it's, it's got a somewhat sort of like a Snapple peach iced tea <laughs> color to it. <laughs> they call this a um, high gravity offering with, uh, yep, exactly what Greg said. This is now worthy of your sturdiest goblet or your most treasured stein. In this case, it's going in pine glasses. <laughs> Standard good old pine glasses that we use all the time. It smells like a barley wine, don't it? It smells pretty malty. Um, yeah, it's a really good malt smell, though. It's, it's yeah. How do I describe that? It's caramelized. Yes, it's a caram- candy, caramel bready. malt. With some breadiness and some nice hot background to um, to assert itself a little bit, it's, it smells very good. This uh, the color here, I think, helps me place like where it is. It's not darker barley wine; it's one of those lighter orangey barley wines. So it has a lot of malt, but not a ton of caramel. So it's not like um, I don't know, sticky buns look right up, appropriate thing. It's not like quite that sweet and, and you know, the caramel, the, the, the uh, yeah, it's, it's more, I mean, it looks more like, like, I guess, a Bigfoot. Well, 
Well, Bigfoot has that hop smell. But it looks it. like a Bigfoot is what I'm saying. I mean, it has a similar... You know, to be honest, you know, I have this huge library of beers in my head, and I couldn't tell you right now what what color Bigfoot is. Well, I have no... I'm kind of blind. I'm pretty sure it looks kind of like this. Yeah, okay. But anyway, the, the color is a, an amberish color, um, approaching gold, but not quite oh, that there. That smells so good. I just want to breathe this over and over. There's not yeah, much booziness in the nose, yeah. but maybe just a hint, but there's that... That that sweet uh, caramelly breadiness. To it's it. the caramel. The caramel really brings out uh, you know this nice sort of crystallized sugary mm-hmm. goodness. That uh, it's it's just an enticing aroma. Brown sugar, brown sugar in the aroma. You getting some like sugar molasses type deal. I'm getting more more of a caramelization. You okay. know, more of like you know a simple syrup. Mm-hmm. It's been cooked down a little yeah. bit, darkened a little bit. little thin on the body my first opinion and it actually feels a bit watery on the back end it does and the hops are more assertive than you might expect oh yeah there's some there's some hops in there oh i like that aftertaste the the bit of orangey the bit of orangey mixed with 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 some of the malt coming back mm-hmm. uh yeah it's it's a little i don't thin. like how empty it feels on the end but yeah it has some interesting flavors that do come back up your throat even though there's not much you know weight sitting on your tongue and that is I like a barley wine to be a a little thick because they are high alcohol no they they haven't called this a barley wine no so they might not be shooting for something as chewy but a strong a high gravity strong ale I like them to be thicker because I like you to know that you're drinking something strong just to help you with that Am I approaching my limits of sobriety? Right. Point? Now, for an eight and a half percent beer, how are you perceiving the alcohol in this? Very low. Yeah, it's it's well hidden, and it's that is standing out. And that I think is, I mean, for some people that may be good. For some people who, if you really want to get drunk, that may be good. I am not a person who wants to get drunk, who likes to get drunk. Well, I so. think for this beer that doesn't have much body, if the alcohol was there and it was a boozy beer, it would be gross, right? No, I agree. I agree, and, and it's it's good that. The alcohol, you don't get that hotness in the alcohol. It's not present. That, that's good for the flavor. I think that from my perspective, if if you're going to a beer that I want to drink, if I want to drink a high-gravity ale, I want to know it to either it'd be you know pretty thick and on the mouthfeel so I can feel it being heavy and I know, okay, I don't, I don't want to have more than one or two of these before you know I do anything crazy. Whereas I can see this is light enough that without, if I didn't know the alcohol – I could drink a couple. I don't think this one would sneak up on me. I think this one has the aroma. It smells like a barley wine. I think I would know this is a big beer. But I can't unknow the alcohol by volume to tell you for sure. Nearing the end is getting it's getting a little bit warmer and the alcohol is gonna be a little bit more present. Um It's a it, little little tiny tiny bit of hotness at the end there and uh, it, it's messing a little bit with that good aftertaste. Now the beer does finish very clean, so the body is not where we're looking for a barley wine. But this beer does finish clean, you know, so you don't get weighed down on your tongue with you know tons and tons of mold on this, which can't have its bonuses. A warmer weather barley wine, you know, this wouldn't make you feel sick and sticky drinking it in the summer. So here's a beer that would go well with fish. Here's a beer that would go well with uh, um, crab. Lobster, Ooh. anything? Oh yeah, yeah. Shellfish, something like. with all that crazy butter on it. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Th- this would go well with with, with things like that. I'm thinking. Um, That's interesting because you know, thinking crab, I would. We've never really talked about crab before. We've done you know 140 shows here. We've never really talked about crab. My perception would be go to go. You know, something golden and light. You know, something pilsner. You know that I mean, just that was my gut feeling, but yeah, this would be interesting to take to a seafood restaurant and, and eat with some crab legs. I think it would go really well. I mean, the 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 sugar would help um, kind of balance some of the acidity that you get from the lemon you put on it, and and uh, the fat you get from the butter, and the natural taste of a crab is, is sweetness yeah. so too. I, so I, I, I it see would it fitting with together. crab legs. I don't get. I don't have this feel that it would work well with crab cakes. No, crab cakes are more of a hmm. 
Well, unless it's just crab. I mean, unless you've managed to get a crab cake together with just crab meat. <clears throat> even even still, then you're you're browning it. Yeah. You know, you're doing you're doing more to the meat. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that just you know, a fresh crab leg right out of the shell, fresh crab, mm-hmm. fresh lobster. Uh, the show would go really well oh, with this. So hungry now. I want like a soft shell crab sandwich right now. Oh, soft shell crabs are great, but this wouldn't go well. Soft shell yeah. crab because too 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 fried. Yeah, I know. But I'm just thinking, I want one of those right now. I want a po' boy. I want a soft shell crab po' boy right now. Mm, man, don't get me started. There's a place near me that had soft shell crab po' boys for a while mm-hmm. while they were in season. Oh man. All right, so I think out of the beers that we have here, we should do the uh, farmhouse ale next. You think? Well, what, what do you think? We have a very strong porter. We have an imperial IPA. We have two barley wines and a farmhouse. I mean, in terms of alcohol, I'd say you're right, but in terms of flavors, I don't know whether a, a farmhouse would go really well after that barley wine. That was kind of a lighter barley wine, and we, you know, we can't undrink it. And I mean, look at the other beers. All right, so Springhouse. Springhouse from Williamsburg Brewery. It's a Brewers Reserve. This is bottle thirteen of oh nine out of two thousand eight. So I tried a bunch of Williamsburg beers when I was down at Virginia Beach. Uh, some people had given me some uh, conflicting opinions on these things. Some people like them. Some people don't like them so much. Um, not the reserves, but the regular ones. Uh, in general, I enjoyed them. I thought they were decent. I didn't have everything they made, but they made a, a new coffee stout that I enjoyed, and I bought the variety pack. There was three other beers on it. Well, good luck finding this one because this is no longer produced. I don't think I think all these are one-offs. Mm, they, it's not on their website, and uh, this is a one a, a limited brewed once. Uh, their website has four. Uh, Reserves, uh, spring and fall, and yeah, I guess that this just yeah, every year they make reserves and then they sell them off and they're gone. So yeah, so this is more of a testament to the brewery than to you guys going out and finding the beer. But this might still be on the shelves. I mean, I bought this you know yeah. a month and a half ago. I mean, two you know, ago, so. Jeff and I are big fans of breweries that do this that uh, don't just have their their lineup but they also just produce something because they love the art guess i should pour me some shouldn't i I put the beer back if you want i have this empty cup here i'm like where's my beer man so this is um i don't have any information from the website on it but it's still eight percent it's still a high alcohol beer uh it is a saison farmhouse according to beer advocate yeah so on the label they call it american farmhouse this is reaching in. This is almost the same color, but it's reaching more into the gold color. Very clear. That's yeah. like filtered type clear. Yeah, like I can see great, great through the glass. I can see your glass looking at me. And um, so, farmhouse typically means saison, uh, which are typically spicy ales, fermented pretty warm, have lots of earthy flavors in there. Uh, we might sometimes say funk, but it's not typically a sour beer there's just gonna be some really spicy earthy stuff in there uh they call this one right on the label an american farmhouse so it may be hoppy saison you know like you know those american hop triples greg like oblong schoof and um oh who i'm drawing a blank on some of them well yeah i'm thinking east end ugly american but i'm trying to think of some national american made oh uh, uh galaga from um uh, Great Divide it would be one that just about everyone could get, I would think. Which uh, is a triple with American hops. Before we taste, I wanted to uh, give you this news update. National sales of craft beer rose 9% in the first half of 2009, despite the economic downturn, according to the Brewers Association. Yep, so it had dropped slightly. It wasn't double digits, historically, over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing what a lot of companies are doing, where they're doing a half-year turnout. Because, like, my company's, you know, I don't know all the details, but instead of projecting for the whole year, they're doing it in two half years. Just because back at the beginning of the fiscal year, they had no clue if we'd all be, like, defending our houses with, you know, semi-automatic weapons at this point. Um, so, yeah, they're doing half-year stats now. And craft beer's outpacing the market again, right? Yeah, it, well, it grew 10.1% in 2007 
um, or two thousand eight, ten point one percent, and two thousand seven, five point nine percent. By comparison, imported beer sales imported beer sales set, fell by nine point five percent in the first six months of the year. So American craft beers are, are rising, perhaps because. Uh, especially locally, I mean, they do tend to – their cost is not that different from big popular beers. And I, I did see a, a news story about buyers going for the – not going for the super premium, i.e. Budweiser, and going for the lesser stuff like the Keystone Bush. or something like that or Bush. Uh, whereas you know somebody who is a craftier fan is not going to go for the Budweiser, but they may go for a local ale as opposed to something. The uh, super premiums are like raising that. the prices too. Did you see that? I did not see that, but that yep. makes sense. Bud Miller, I think Coors, they're raising the prices. So I, I saw a couple beer bloggers, you know, I think uh, Jay Brooks said, you know, they're finally raising their prices because, you know, craft brewers have had to raise their prices, you know, last year or year before. And these guys are finally following suit and raising yeah. the prices. Can you imagine paying 30 bucks for a case of Budweiser? No, no. But but I pay thirty bucks, thirty five to forty bucks for a case of craft beer all the time. Yes, and but, I have no problem with that. But yes, it's, it's, look at the product you're getting. Uh, uh, to, to be honest, I mean the best one of the best deals I ever got was twenty five dollar case of of Michelob Dunkelweiss. <laughs> let's uh, that's a fantastic. Let's taste deal. the beer, and I have. An, I want to talk a little bit more about the beer biz because we haven't done this in a long time. Yeah, and this could almost be macro muck. So uh, well, it, am I thinking about what you're thinking? I don't know if you saw the story I saw. Well, I don't know about the story, but I know the blog report. I don't think you saw the one I saw, but maybe you did. Wait, what is it? The one about Pittsburgh beers? Oh, no. No. I think that's interesting to talk about. Yeah. I'm not even sure what you're talking about, really. There was a guy on some website. Oh, 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 that guy. Oh. Not even worth, not even worth publicizing him. I think it's funny. Okay. I think it's worth it. Okay, well, maybe we'll do it, but... Okay, back to the beer. This is the Williamsburg... Springhouse. Springhouse Saison. So we're talking about... Smells pretty high in alcohol. We're talking about American Saison, so I think this is going to be American Hopped Saison, right? So I think it's going to be hoppy, and I think I smell it in the nose, so I'm going to take a sip now. Well, you better smell it in the nose. I mean, if you smell it through another... My ear, that'd be rough. Yeah. Hmm, that's... That's interesting. Which means that's kind of not good. No, I mean, I didn't want that to be interpreted that way. It's kind of off. I mean, I'm getting much more alcohol out of the aroma than I normally get from a Saison. I I definitely think it's American hopped. It's kind of whiny. Kind of... What? Kind of boozy. Um, There's not much... (laughs) Whiny, whiny, whiny. There's not much funk or, I mean, spiciness. It's kind of sweet. There's a little bit of um, that. Uh, There's a little bit of nectarine. I'm getting like a nectarine flavor. Yeah, a little pithiness on the sides that, you know, comes. It, it, it comes within a football field's length of a horse blanket, I guess, but not, you know. See, I'm not getting any spicy, earthy, you know. Coming, I'm getting just a bit on the sides of my to tongue, funk. and they're not—they're not nearly as far as you. Uh, they're not nearly the kind of funk that you expect from from a saison, and that may saison. be good if you don't like a saison that's particularly funky. Like, like for instance, Victory's V12 saison is not a, yeah. a particularly funky saison. Saisons are typically fairly dry to really dry. You mm. know, they're like brute, extra brute. You know, if you're talking about champagne. And this guy's a sweet little guy, you know. It's like it's almost like the saison that I brewed, which didn't ferment out the whole way, you know. It it it's way too sweet for. There's for definitely what I think. A, a a grapey character. Yeah, you get the American hops in there. I think I'm getting it. There's fermented American hops. It's a bit orangey or nectarine. Yeah, there's something uh, citrusy mm-hmm. going on uh, along with with the grapiness. Not. Not my favorite saison. I like a funky saison. I like a saison that, that that really expresses its Belgian character, and this one is not uh, particularly strong in that sense. Uh, on the other hand, if you are just getting into saisons, you're not necessarily interested in that funky character, and you're looking for something that's kind of a, a cross between wine and beer. This is somewhat close if you can still find it. I don't know. Yeah, you know, that's the thing. You know, we're not really 
telling people to find this beer. We're telling people if the Williamsburg reserves are good. So I think we just need to say that one wasn't the best, and let's try the next one. Sounds good to me. Do you want to do the double IPA or the porter? I think the double IPA next. Yeah, let's go for the double IPA, and then we'll go for the malty stuff next. So you had a, a recent run-in with a blogger. <laughs> can I talk about my macromuck first? You can talk about your macromuck first, I suppose. Right. I, I find the other story more interesting. You find this interesting? Do we? Can we put spe- effects on this macromuck? You want to? No. No. Okay. <laughs> we used to have sound effects on our uh, entries because we had this fancy new soundboard, which is that rusty old soundboard over there, <laughs> and we used to put all kinds of flanges and echoes and stuff on our voices. But anyway, I saw this article, and it wasn't written by a beer blogger. It was written by a marketing PR person or whatever. And they were talking about branding and sub-brands taking away from the brand and whatnot. And actually, Bud Light sales dipped last year. My God. Well. The horror. However, and and they're all like freaking out because the Bud Light sales had dipped. But then it goes on to to show that if you add a Bud Light and Bud Light Lime, you know, it's an increase in gross, right? So it's like they spun off this this sub-brand. Child brand Bud Light Lime, and it cannibalizes their you know the, their their brand the the top tier brand. Just but like, it's still all going to the same. But, just but like, it's, it's all separate divisions. So they just they, like but, but yeah, that's the weird thing about corporations is that you know if you, it turns to a separate division that's making more money than you all of a sudden, even though it's well, I mean, the same Bud company. Light sells more than Budweiser, right? And. And Bud Light, can't, you know, same thing when they launched Bud Light. It took sales away from Budweiser, you know. With that kind of product, you're not bringing in fresh people. You're bringing in some fresh people. You know, you're, you know, people like Bud Light Lime better than Miller Chill, I guess. But, right. But you're, you're also saying, hey, I like Bud Light. What's this Bud Light Lime? I like limes. That sounds good. I'm going to yeah. drink that now. And I, I just see that um, I don't really have a great point here. I just found it fascinating how they're freaking out that Bud Light has lost sales when it really hasn't if you add the new sub-brand into it. But you could make the argument that Bud Light may have lost the sales even without the sub-brand. That's, I think, the economic argument you could make. Uh, you, you can make the argument that they could have been lost to Miller Light, Miller Chill, um, whatever. Oh, you're thinking tomato. that Miller Chill might have picked up if they didn't offer a Bud Light line. Right, yeah. I guess you could argue that. Oh, and the other part of the story was they're dropping the drinkability advertising campaign. Hmm. They're going back to, I guess, chicks in bikinis. I don't know for something. For well, I mean, maybe it didn't work. We thought it would work, or, or we thought it would be. I thought drinkability was a bad play. I thought it was like, I thought it was a good play for them, a bad play for me. And uh, just like the triple hop, you know. But it seems like they're going to be pulling away. I haven't heard about I have Miller. An interesting thing about the triple hop because I'm talking um, about the Miller campaign, where Miller the, the, triple the Miller Light triple hop campaign because. I uh, went to a Pirates game with some friends of mine, and we went to a bar beforehand. And this was not a bar that had a lot of beer on, good beer on tap. And they had ordered like a bucket full of Miller Lights. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to try to see if I can taste hops in this thing, in, in this Miller Light triple hop process. And I tasted it, you know, took a thing, put it down, and said, I can taste the hops in here. Oh yeah, I was looking for them. Uh-huh. So it's did, but I could taste them. They were there. They were not especially a present. They were not a, you know certainly over. They they were not overpowering, but they they were there. This was a beer that was handled well. Mm-hmm. So it, obviously it was um, kept fresh, but I could taste the hops in the beer. Oh, I, I got to give them credit. I could taste the hops. Now, after five or six drinks, after five or six sips, that disappeared. Um, but when I went looking for it, I found it. We'll talk about the uh, the Pittsburgh beer blogger after we drink this beer. What okay. say? This is Iron Bound Ale Imperial IPA from the Williamsburg Ale Works. This is their Imperial IPA, like I think I just said. Yes. Cascade and Amarillo. Actually, they say more than you can shake a stick at. I, I can, can shake, shake a stick, stick at a lot. lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we were at the Budweiser thing, we, shook, I, we I think we shook virtually a stick. shook a stick at a hell of a lot of hops. Yeah, like like tons <laughs> of tons. hops. Those are zots, but they were still uh, zots oh, or Hiller Tower or something. 
Yeah, I can shake a stick a lot of hops. Yeah. Um, twice the size of a man pile, yeah. <laughs> we have some nice pictures. I don't know if they're still online. 9% uh, alcohol by volume, and they say this one sellers nicely. I Imperial IPAs, you know, if you sell them, they, they turn in the barley wines. Yeah, look at how dark this is. This is a... a this is a cola It's cloudy, color. too. Can you yeah. see? Like, it's like there's like hop resin just floating in there. So cloudy. On the sip, man, it's it tastes kind of cloudy. It tastes kind of muddy. And it tastes like uh, grapefruit. Like, like, like we've, we've said beers taste like grapefruit before. But this one tastes like I just took a fork and took out a little piece of grapefruit. It has that really acidic bite to it. Well, grapefruit is almost exclusively Cascade. If you, if you taste... So, uh, uh, that. Cascade's more of an orange, right? Or no, something. I mean to me at least. Okay. To me, Cascade is grapefruit. If you take, if you p- do pure Cascade, you're going to get grapefruit. The Amarillo is, is causing this to not be so much a grapefruit for me. Even though the grapefruit's there, the Amarillo is adding um, a tangerine uh, type notes. Um, I, I suppose, but I to me, this tastes more like grapefruit, fresh grapefruit on a fork, than just about any beer I've ever had. This tastes way too um, malty to me to be fresh grapefruit on a, on a fork, as well as um, the, the. It does not have the same kind of acidity and um, flavor profile to me that that you know okay. the, the, the normal red you know Florida mm-hmm. grapefruit that I'm used to has, and that which I normally get from Cascade. So I'm afraid I have to disagree with you. I really think the Amarillo hops right. change this from grapefruit into something more of a grapefruit orange tangerine peachy type uh, flavor can't argue it's been a long long time since I've had a grapefruit but it's I mean it's really hitting me strong there is a lot of hops in this beer a lot of hops do you feel that scratchiness in the back of your throat yet yes like if anyone's ever sucked on a fresh hop or have had like a harvest ale with a ton of hops in it you get that scratchiness in the back of your throat and this is giving you that hop Alpha acid, scratchy throat that you get from sucking on a hop. Yeah, it's just basically a lot of, you know, it, it's high resin and it's. Oh, just, I think that cloudiness we're seeing is just a ton of ridiculous amount of hop stuff in there. Yeah. Um, when, you, when you have a hop, they're, they're alpha acids. When you, when you boil them, they isomerize, so they're iso alpha acids. Uh, that's a chemical term meaning they kind of flip. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Yeah, for some reason, it, it, it causes a kind of stickiness in the back of your mouth and a, a little bit of a, of a tingly sensation. Yeah, it's it's not a sensation that you get too much out of you know your normal IPA. It's just your harvest IPAs where maybe there's lupulin in there that's not like dissolved, you know, or maybe it's just in suspension or something like that. I don't know all the chemistry, but that's kind of my guess. I just you know harvested my hops a couple week, last weekend, and you know I sucked on a few while I was you know weighing them out and measuring them and stuff and you get that scratchy throat and you had Cascade and just Cascade just Cascade Bogles hasn't ever fruited right. so but um yeah you get that scratchy throat and I wonder if you do Fuggles on the uh I um I had them in a big bin and when I got all the hops out there was yellow powder in there you know lupulin yeah so I take my finger and I scrape a bunch of lupulin so I have yellow on my finger and I suck on it and talk about like this kind of flavor, scratchy throat, you know, it's a, the lupulin just wrecks you. I wonder if you can do, because Fuggles is, is close to a bad word, I wonder if you can do that on the glowworm. <laughs> 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 listen to the pre Everyone should listen to the pre and post show, because um, th- that, th- that's the best radio we do, as far as I'm concerned. And um, <laughs> back, to the, back to the beer. Nice shameless plug you got there. No, I like this IPA. It's not it's, like we're getting any money for it. I'm enjoying this one. It's a... Uh, like I said earlier, I'm not sure what got in and what didn't from the edit that we just made, but not West Coast, not you know, not like your Ballast Point Double IPA or your Green Flash, but it's this multi thing, and I, I enjoy it. And it, it's it's like that Harvest Ale where you get that scratchy throat. So there's a lot of hops there. It's a decent one off, and I think it's you know it's a, it's a nice little experiment, and uh, it's a fun fun drink. I think if you want to you know share a bottle with a friend. Or have one bottle a night at nine percent. I wouldn't recommend more than one bottle of this. No, it's, it's, I, I would say it's a decent uh, beer, and I, I like that they're just trying something new. And I also like that this is not a regular the price, formula. The, the prices are right. You know, like 
I'm starting to wonder if Pennsylvania does have shitty prices for beer. Like I, I used to, I was like kind of spoiled. I'm like, oh, you know, twelve bucks for a bomber. That's not too bad, right? Uh-huh. This bomber of this nine percent reserve beer, six ninety nine. You know that 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 R.J. Rocker's barley wine we had. You know, it was a uh, dollar seventy nine for. Well, everything bottle. in the bottle shops are priced up. They have to be. That's the, the law because of the way the distribution is. Right. And where you have just retail stores in other states, uh, I might have to start going to Ohio to buy beer. Maybe. Because uh, it's not that far away. If I can, because you know, a dollar. This beer here in Pennsylvania. But then, how much are you paying se- for gas? This dollar seventy nine beer. Well, yeah, that's why you buy a lot to just defray the cost. <laughs> I see. I see. Um, but speaking of Pennsylvania, now this is beer. a four dollar, four fifty five dollar beer in Pennsylvania. It's dollar seventy nine in Virginia. You know, so that's true. Speaking of Pennsylvania beer, oh Pittsburgh beer. Pittsburgh beer Pittsburgh is dead. Beer in general, yes, dead, dead, gone. There was a uh, the Examiner. You know, everyone knows about the Examiner. It's this it's this four pay blog thing where anyone can blog. Charlie Papazian blogs on it, and he writes some good stuff. Uh, we're about to talk about the exact opposite. Um, there is the Pittsburgh Beer Bar Examiner. Uh, this guy, his name is... Anyway, he wrote this blog entry that Pittsburgh Beer is Dead. And it was around the premise that Iron City has moved to Latrobe. And Penn Brewing isn't making beer in, Pen- in Pittsburgh anymore. So Pittsburgh Beer is Dead. And? And the church... Well, this is the key, right? The church, yeah. Brewworks... And East End Brewing make low quality and inconsistent beers. Right. See, if you read all the way to the end, there's this new brewery startup that has no funding and no nothing called Scrapyard Brewing, and they're going to make the best shit ever. <laughs> right? So it's um, almost like it sounds like a who av- yeah, yeah. Wonder who he's friends with. Um, so we got some. I posted some comments on his blog on on his blog entry and whatnot. Well, I mean, it was very interesting because it was an example of how the internet uh, internet is kind of like, in some sense, peeing into a pool. You you can't get it out once it's in there, right? So he put up this entry that was just ridiculous, stupid, unresearched, and clearly biased, you know, to Mm -hmm. a large extent, and and slanderous, and slanderous. Well, um, libelous, I guess. Or maybe, your, okay, libelous, I guess. Um, and it was, uh, you know, and, and it was just, it was not a, a news story in any sense, in, in any sense of the word, and it was not respectful. And, and then he, and t- it wasn't even a good opinionated column, right? Right. Because it wasn't well researched. Wasn't well researched. Didn't have, you know, and it didn't give any examples. It just said, oh, this is bad. This is bad. Ironstein, whatever, and. He got a lot of flack for that, who, which he started to defend. And then after he got more and more flack for it, he deleted it from... I think the examiner deleted it because it was libelous. It, it Perhaps. However, still available or still was Google available yeah. on Google Cash uh, because Google is good like that. I don't know whether it's actually still available anymore. I mean, Google Cash expires after a certain amount of time. But you can see his original article, but not necessarily the comments, but his original article, and it was pretty poor. It was, when I read it, I was like, wow, this is bad. So I I first posted, like, I was trying to be helpful. I'm like, and I said something, helpful with with an edge, right? I'm like, you don't know enough to write that opinionated column. To get right, he, to he had written you. previously about how he had just been to the Hofsbrau, and it was an amazing experience. Now I've been to the Hofsbrau, and it's fun, right. but you know it's a chain. It's a you know it's an interesting and, and fun experience, but it's not beer nirvana. His reply to like mine was: uh, first off, if you have something to say, post it on your own blog. Don't post it here on the comments. I'm like what? <laughs> Or he's like, start your own blog. What's the point of He's com- like, start your own blog. I'm a, like, what's the point of comments? B, we've been in this thing a lot longer than you have, yeah. buddy. And then, uh, you know, after that, he's like, I've gotten people talking about this. My job is done. And I'm like, the only thing you got people talking about is whether you're competent to write about beer or not. Nothing about whether there's good beer in Pittsburgh. Right. And um, shortly after that, his post got dis- you know, disappeared. Um, I talked with a, uh, I won't name names, I talked with a brewery that was slandered or libeled in this column. I wonder which one it was. And he was, deba- <laughs> he was debating 
long-time listeners will know who I'm talking about, but yes. long, uh, he was debating whether to talk to the examiner to have it removed, and luckily he didn't have to because it was removed by itself. Yeah. I don't think the writer, Shannon, that's his name. Shannon, okay. I don't think he deleted it. I think it was removed because it was slanderous. Libelous. Now, I don't want to come off as you know pompous or anything like that, but... I do think that doing this show, being having the experience we have, and having the you know, frankly, you know, because of of luck and happenstance and good fortune and whatever the the connection that we, that we've made with the brewing community, um, you know, we have, we certainly have something we can express ourselves as as being really part of this uh, of the craft beer community and. You know, I certainly got offended when I saw something like that, and and to for someone who is so completely a biased and b uh, uninformed to then just make you know pure accusations. I mean, you didn't ex- you didn't say you know, I'm Jeff Bear Jeff Bear from Craft Beer Radio, but still the idea that he was like uh, start your own blog. I got a Facebook comment saying. Or a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't go around telling people that, oh, I do a podcast that has X amount of listeners. It, it, because, frankly, 99.99% of people wouldn't care. And I don't expect them to. But I do take pride in, in what we've accomplished and, and, and what, we've, you know, what we've been able to do here. And I take a lot of pride in the show. Mm-hmm. I think the show is almost exactly what I wanted to to do. Yeah. There and was a uh, another blogger who was covering the drama, Uncle Crappy. He is a he works for the Beaver County Times, I believe. He does a blog. And on his blog I commented, "No, it's 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 things it was a podcast like that article." Yeah. That was the reason why I started crafting. Right. Radio. Right. <laughs> so and, you know, it it just goes back to, I mean, I've, we, we know that there are some people who don't like our, our show. We know that there are some people who don't like the way that our show works and, and our commentary, et cetera, et cetera. But I couldn't be prouder of what we've accomplished and of, of the show that we do, and I really, really like it. I think that we do enough navel-gazing. Let's drink some beer. All right. Fine. I'm done talking about how great I am. So, and you are. So, uh, but I'm better. This is the <laughs> Bourbon Bear Reporter. Oh, is it bourbon? Is, is, is that the, what this is? This label is the Rapidoo Porter. Oh, Rapidoo. Okay, I'm sorry. That was a different one. Rapidoo uh, is an Imperial Porter brewed with a caramelized Haitian sugar called Rapidoo. I was just going to ask you to secretly wiki what Rapidoo is. I thought it was a location. You don't have to. But no, it's a sugar. Nice. Uh, 9% alcohol volume. And it, they say it. Uh, the marketing says it lends a great toffee caramel flavor. We will be the judge of that. They also say watch this one in oak bar- aged in oak barrels in the future so they have confidence in this. Mm. The first thing I smell is this dark it's either super super dark molasses or it's this woody thing that i'm not sure which it is you got that that rabbit is traditionally processed cane sugar so i don't know what exactly that means i mean it's not refined white sugar basically but do you smell that super super dark molasses i smell a molasses i'm smelling this thing it's like so dark it's like tar it's like ash it's like you take molasses to the edge of catching fire and bringing it back. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but I definitely need to get a molassesy aroma from this. Can I talk about how great we are again, or should I? <laughs> you can do that in episode two hundred and eighty-eight. How about that? <laughs> All right, good, good plan. Twice as far as we are now. <laughs> I'm reading about the, the one that we probably won't be drinking tonight just because we have so many high alcohol beers. The Grand Illumination, which is the barley wine, uh-huh. uh, 11%, and it takes them over five hours to boil. Nice. And that's pretty impressive. But back to the Rapidu. Very dark, um, ba- basically black as night. I uh, can't see through it. I don't oh, see any highlights. It has a very complex flavor. I'm having a hard time putting words to everything I'm tasting. It's dark. It's roasty. It's clean. It finishes clean. But like if you 
suck, put negative pressure in your mouth and suck, you like suck more roastiness out of your skin or something like that. Out of your cheeks. I'm trying to imagine. I know it's... I'm having a hard time figuring out what this tastes like. I'm thinking like burnt marshmallow, but it's not as charry. That's a good one. That's a good it's one. It's not burnt as charry. It's like bur- it's like the optimal. You know when the marshmallow turns brown before it catches fire? Uh-huh. If you could get a really thick brownness on your marshmallow without it catching fire. Very, very good. Very good description. I think that that's a excellent description of what this tastes like. I know it's all the vogue these days to, to put things in oak barrels, but I don't know how much this would be really improved by being in oak. I think it would. I think it'd be interesting. I'm just maybe I'm just not a super now, oak fan. Don't think bourbon, right? Don't think you're going to throw in Jack Daniel's bourbon barrel that's half empty. Well, it's going to be a charred oak barrel, but you, it doesn't have to be charred. Not all oak barrels are charred. Okay, you know, most you, are. You, no, you can get fresh American oak with different. There's medium char, medium light char. There's all kinds of different chars on the oak, and you're not always going to get whiskey flavors out of it. And I think you could definitely barrel age this beer and get some interesting, uh, get an interesting new beer out of it. I'm just, no, I've never been a huge fan of the oak stuff. I mean, you, we, you can look back. You know the what episodes. we need to do? You know what we need to do? And maybe I'll call in a favor. We need to get some Firestone Walker beers for the show. Firestone Walker does primary fermentation of every one of their beers in an oak barrel. Fresh oak, brand new oak, not whiskey, not this. They get have a cooper that makes barrels for them. They have different toasts. And they blend them together. Basic brewing when they were out in um, Oakland for the homebrewers conference, they did a tour at Firestone Walker Brewery, and they went over the process a little bit. And I didn't know that Firestone Walker did everything in oak. I knew they did double barrel ale and things like that, but I didn't know everything happened in oak. But yeah, I mean, I don't. I've I have not. Ever, I think you can look back through the podcast, and I don't think I've ever been a big fan of oak barrel beers. I mean, I've I've enjoyed some, but I've never really considered oak to be that great an additive to to a beer in general. And I don't think this would really it would maybe lighten the sweetness a bit. I don't want a bourbon on here, right? But I think an oak would give it some deeper complexity, give it a little more woody. Can you help me out here? Can you smell this beer? There's this. There's this. Aroma that's hit me in the face, but I can't place it. It's, Licorice. Is it like oh, maybe like raw, like anise or something that's kind of barky? It, it reminds me of a little bit like Palo Santo, but not as aromatic, right? It reminds me of like woody cotton. It reminds me of see licorice I think is too sweet and too rosy anyway I th- even anyway I think of uh, Vienna is I think it's too rosy maple there's there's this down note this flat leathery bit maybe like a maple leather something mix maple on a cow I don't know I just <laughs> it, I love this I love that aroma I just trying to figure out how to describe it do you do you just know I'm smelling this this big flat Smacky in the face, kind of. I don't know how to describe. No, I don't know. It. I told you what I smelled. Yeah, you know, and and that's all I can give you. I don't really get this big smack in the face, but I do smell some sort of licorice mapleish combination, and whatever is in the middle there, maybe it hits that right on the nose. I like this rapidu, Greg. I really like this. I, I like it too, uh, but like I said. I, I wouldn't necessarily, and that, you know, it'd be interesting to try, but I wouldn't necessarily say, "Oh, th- this needs to be oaked." No, I understand. Uh, it'd be interesting to sell this and, and to see what comes out of it in, in a year or two. The uh, the limited releases we've gotten, they've been out of the total quantity has been either two thousand seven or two thousand eight, so I'm guessing that's the year they're made. And this is out of a 2007, so there's probably not a ton of that stuff left. Mm. But they were on the shelves at Grape and Gourmet a couple months ago, so if you're in Virginia Beach, go get some. I think it's enough for today, don't you think? I think we did... Uh, up, yeah, sure. We have uh, two more Williamsburg beers, but I knew I had more than we drink tonight. So I'm good. All right, ranking time. Oh, no. All right, I got my ranking. The uh, 
Best beer of the night? This is Rapidu Porter. I, I love that complex sugar they put in there. Lots of dark roast, lots of crazy weird molasses brown sugar combinations in there. I love this thing. Um, maybe some anise, some licorice, but it doesn't have that perfumey bit to it that I'm used to getting out of anise. It's kind of just like the earthy part. Um, number two, I want to put the Ironbound Ale. Imperial IPA, I, you know, looking at the beer, tasting the beer, I'm calling it a Harvest Ale. There's that, that green, fresh, throat-scratching hopness in there, and uh, it's good. Third, I'm going to put the Evil Eight from the Blue Mountain Brewery. This, it was a Belgian double. We thought it was sweet at first, then it kind of evened out, and it wasn't too sweet at the end. Not that unlike a, a, a West Mall. Dug it. It was a good American-made double. Um, I'm trying to think, like, how would I compare it to something like an Omagong, right, which is another American-made double. Omagong's drier. I'd probably pick Omagong above this one, but not by, not by that much. Uh, number four is not, I mean, it's not considered American craft beer, right? Cause it's, it's an American beer. It's just not a craft beer because it's owned by Duval, yeah. Right. Number four is R.J. Rocker's Bell Ringer. That was that really thin-bodied barley wine. I like the flavor. I didn't love the whole thing because I thought it needed more body to be a complete beer. But uh, it was good. It was a good drinker. Call it maybe a summer barley wine, something you could drink when it's hot and sweaty out. Uh, and the last beer is the, uh, the Spring House, that American Saison from Williamsburg. It didn't do it for me. It was too sweet. There was some citrusy there, some nectarine, but I want my saison to be dry and spicy, not sweet. And whenever I hit a sweet saison, either ones that I buy or ones that I make, I'm just unhappy with them. All right. I'm going to um, switch it up a slight bit. I'll go with the Evil 8 as as my best of the night just because that was the first one. It was, it was a, you know, I enjoyed uh, the double a lot. Uh, I kept thinking of foods to pair with it. I liked how it was pretty clean. I, I actually did like the you know the the harder carbonation on it, uh, and it had a, a nice heavy mouth feel which fit the style. And I thought you know doubles, they're kind of in my wheelhouse along with some some other like dupe, like nickel uh, vices and stuff like that. So they're beers that I will generally gravitate towards. Um, Boy, I, I guess I would go with Rapidu next. I really did like this beer a lot. I just think that you know they, they say on their website they look for oak barrels. I just think it's going to be too much. I just think it's going to add too much to the beer, and it's going to make it too muddled. Kind of like the Iron Mound is my number third, where it's just everything's kind of a little muddled together. <laughs> it's interesting, and it's an interesting attempt, and I think everyone should, you know, if you get a chance, you should try it, because it's a, it's interesting beer, and, you know, it, it has its uh, it flaws, but it has its merits, and it, it's cool that they made it, uh, but it's not, you know, a spectacular beer. It's not a wow beer. It's just a. Well, this is an interesting beer, and I like an interesting beer. I like something that's interesting and and, and gets me thinking. The Bell Ringer, I will go with next because, uh, like you said, it was sort of thin, and I might have ranked it higher had it been thicker. I might have ranked it pretty really high if it had been thicker. Oh, it had a wonderful nose. Lots yeah. of great caramel to it but yeah but you know my big concern was drinking too much of it because it was so thin and not realizing it's it's alcoholic potential and that may not be a concern for a lot of people but it is certainly a concern for me and last the spring house simply because like you i expect something different from a saison uh and this was not and this is hurt by classification more more than anything else I don't know if it's necessarily hurt by classification. I mean, it was sweet. And what would it be if it wasn't... If someone said this was kind of a, 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 a whiny, you know, sort of a wine attempt at a, at, at a uh, American pale Sweet ale? American Kolsch? I mean... You know, so you could go for something. I, I just think it's too sweet for the beer. I don't think... I don't care what the category was. It's just... I'd, it's not what I want. It's certainly not what I want to have a saison. It, it doesn't, didn't have the right uh, flavors. However, as a beginner's saison, I think it 
it, it ranks high as an introduction to the style, as a you know get you into. It could what, also what you it, it could also turn you off to the style. If you're like, oh, that's what farmhouse well, of sales. Of course, are. it could. A- anything you know, yeah, I guess. anything could. Well, Hennepin so. will turn you off to the style. That's for sure. I, I don't know whether it won't or not. I, I'm not everybody. I'm just me. If you're if you don't like Hennepin, you don't deserve to drink beer. Wow. That is a bold statement, my friend. I know, but it's a good beer. Well, I will say, if you don't like those oysters that they serve at Savor, then you don't deserve to eat food. And (laughs) 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 I guess that is my ranking. And uh, but my favorite beer of the night was our pre-show beer. Oh, really? The Mm -hmm. Hopocalypse. Oh, yeah. Clay Pop Brewery. That was a good English style, good multi IPA. Where would I put it in this ranking? I would probably put it um, either be second or third. I'm not sure where. Have fun, everybody. Make sure that you drink uh, your beer, but you don't think it's health food. Don't think it's health food. You want to see if there's any stars out? Maybe. I do want to record a couple things first. So peace out. Peace out. Thank you for listening to Craft Beer Radio. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. The opening and closing music is Last Hurrah, the band The Lights Out. You can listen to more of their music at their website, thelightsout.com. Some people get a longer fuse. Some people's shoulders are big enough for the abuse. They never say what you can't hear But when they go, they're gone for good Now it's no use Consider this your last offense Consider this your last offense The hoppiest double IPA that I... Will you stop dinging me, motherfucker? Are you getting Twitters?